Welcome to Rowan College of Burlington County's Baroness Podcast. I'm Dr. Brooke Myatt, Program Chair and Assistant Professor of our Entertainment Technologies Department. I'm the Chair of the Women's Advocacy Group, a subcommittee of the President's Advisory Council on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. This monthly series highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. Tune in for a female perspective on the Burlington County community. We are here to listen to these amazing women. If you want to hear from women who lead and inspire, this podcast is for you. Welcome to our March podcast. This month, we are honoring Women's History Month. We have the fantastic Rachel Glashen Rubison is the executive director of the Alice Paul Institute, a nonprofit dedicated to using the past to inspire others to take action for gender justice now. Before her work with API, she led fundraising and development strategies for Koresh Dance Company and the Philadelphia Ballet. Rachel holds a Bachelor of Fine Arts from Temple University and an Executive Women in Leadership Certificate from Yale University. Rachel serves on the Leah Stein Dance Company Board of Directors in Philadelphia. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad you're here. I think what was very interesting when, you know, I'm all about connections and in in every one of our podcasts, my guests come from really amazing connections. And we actually had Dr. June Cernak on here before and I was telling her, I'm like, you know, I need to find like... Uh, you know, something regarding women's rights. And I, and I want to find the right person. And she was like, Rachel. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And then instantly when we talked, I mean, you were just so wonderful to, to, to have a pre-interview with. And, um, I, I just would love everybody to kind of learn about where did the Alice Paul Institute and like your background on fine arts and dance and all these kind of, how did they connect for you? Where did this all begin? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I also have to tell you the number of things uh, Dr. June Cernak has gotten me into over the past few months. I just need to give her a shout out. So thank you, Dr. June. Um, so how did I, how did I become the executive director of a women's empowerment and advocacy organization having a dance background? Such a good question. I'm still trying to figure that one out, to be honest. Um, So I um, got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Dance from Temple. And then throughout my career, I've always worked for dance companies. And, um, you know, probably mid-career, I started doing a lot of fundraising and kind of focused on development and raising funds for the organizations that I loved so much. And after my tenure with the Philadelphia Ballet, um, I got a call from our former executive director, Lucy Beard, and um, we talked about the development director position at the Alice Paul Institute. And honestly, Lucy sold me on it. I was like, you're amazing. I want to work with you. Let's do it. Um, So I got to the Institute in 2019 and um, just fell in love with the mission and fell in love with the history. And I think that the arts and um, the museum really intersect in so many different ways. But really, ballet is sort of history. We're we're performing all of these um, historical ballets and pieces of work that meant so much to a specific time period. So that intersection uh, was really cool to experience um, coming to API. The Alice Paul Institute, so... 
we say that we're fighting for gender justice. And sometimes when we say that, people are like, what are you talking about, gender justice? You know, there is equality. Everything is fair. And that's just not the case. So, you know, again, bringing the history into it. For me, it's really important to be able to have a perspective on the past to inform your decision making moving forward. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I don't know if I actually just answered the question or not, but that's sort of how I got here. Um, And I became the executive director just in October. um, And I'm just thrilled to be stepping into this role because the organization is just thriving and our team is stellar. Our staff is just so talented and just so focused on making sure that people of all genders are just treated fairly by the law in the United States. And what I find so interesting is also, you know, we'll bring up Dr. June again. (laughs) Um, You know, she's so involved in so many of these local places that some you've you've heard of and there's, you know, and I know a little bit deeper of information and I knew the API was, was local and I had heard the term, but I didn't really know what you stood for and that mission of that gender justice and that gender equality. Could you go in for our listeners who really don't know, like who, who is Alice Paul? Like, and why is it named the Alice Paul Institute? AP, my girl AP. So Alice um, Paul was a suffragist who fought to get the 19th Amendment passed, which gave women, most women, the right to vote in America. So she really helped enfranchise half of the country. And most people don't know who she is, which is tragic. So um, what we do at the Alice Paul Institute is we leverage her story to, again, inspire, inspire people to take action for themselves and their community. Alice was a doer. She was a strategist. Um, you know, she she actually was not the type of person to get in front of a microphone and start um, getting on a soapbox or anything like that. But she was the person planning all of those details out in the background. So another reason why we look to Alice is because she's not the archetype of what a leader looks like in this country. And we think that's really special. And that's really important for young people to look to, hey, I can be a leader and it doesn't need to look like something super specific. I have innate leadership qualities within myself that can affect change in my community. You know, you say you do so many things there as executive director. I can only imagine the events and things that you're that you're planning. What are some things that, you know, we're here on a college campus today. What are some things that that these college students can do every day? that are little things, right? We're not, you know, like you said, we're, we're taking things from our past to learn about our future. What are some of those things that they can, they can slowly implement to do that change, to bring that, that equality change to life? That is an excellent question. I think that, you know, such a small thing is just being really intentional about treating people fairly. When you encounter someone, making sure that if you see a small injustice, you stick up for that. Um, And recognizing that all of us, you know, especially if you're in a situation where you're able to attend college, you have some type of privilege. So to be able to recognize that and um, use that to help and affect change, I think is really important. And it's probably the first step in, in, this larger fight is recognizing what you have to be able to give back to others. So there's a big anniversary, big centennial anniversary 
of the fight that we're still fighting. Yes. Um, tell us about that. Yes. So back in 1923, Alice co-authored the Equal Rights Amendment or the ERA. And the ERA um, is a piece of legislation that is uh, supposed to be introduced into the United States Constitution. Right now, the word woman does not exist in the United States Constitution. And most people think that it's there. So um, it's really important that legislation like this um, gets involved to put protections in place for people of all genders um, so those people can continue to be treated fairly in this society. So this year, it's the centennial of the ERA. And um, at API, we're celebrating in a number of different ways. We're actually hosting a symposium with the New Jersey State Bar Association on March 24th, where people can come and attend, learn about the history of the Equal Rights Amendment. Alice introduced it in 1923. There was a large focus on it in the 1970s and 1980s. I don't know if you've seen the FX show, Mrs. America, but it talks all about the drama. Um, and it's really an interesting show. Um, and then it kind of fizzled out a little bit and we're seeing momentum again, I think because of um, recent um, Supreme Court decisions and things of that nature that have come out. I think people are really amped up to get this piece of legislation solidified and really make it a part of the United States Constitution. You know, what I find so interesting, and I use this word connection, that, and then when we started off our conversation, you're like, yeah, how did a, someone from dance now get here? And I was thinking that while you're talking, I'm like, how did somebody from a dance background now start talking about the evil rights of of, <laughs> of the uh, of america which is so interesting um you know you're located the api is located right in mount laurel and you you're thriving and you have so many you know this march 24th is just one of the events you have a lot of interesting programming youth programming and and programming all across the board could you talk about a little bit about what does the Institute bring to the community? Because I think a lot of people don't realize all those sure. beautiful, you know, educational resources that you have and programs that you have and to provide us with. Absolutely. We do so many things as I take a deep sigh. Um, <laughs> you deep, wear many deep, hats. Deep breath. <laughs> we do a lot of different things. Um, we sort of have three pillars that we really focus on. The first is leadership development. Um, so we have what we call our Girls Leadership Council, and that program is for high school-aged girls to participate in. And it's not really your um, standard, hey, here's how you be a leader. Come here and we'll do a resume writing workshop with you. Sometimes we do those sorts of things. But really, you know, as I touched on earlier, what we're trying to emphasize is that these girls have a voice and they need to activate that voice so they can go into their next phase of life, whether that's college, whether that's work, whether that's whatever they decide to pursue and be leaders in the spaces that they occupy. So that's a primary area of focus for us. We also do a number of different public programs with public schools in the area where we go in and we teach programs about women's history because, shocker, you know, sadly, our public school system doesn't always teach those things. So we're happy to be able to subsidize those programs for public schools. We also host a number of adult programs on site, virtual, and at other locations where we talk about contemporary topics and challenges face facing women today. Um, one of them being the Equal Rights Amendment, and, and that's really our focus over the next year. But really what we're trying to do with our adult program is trying to unite the community 
to be able to see women um, in positions of power, claiming their power um, in the spaces that they occupy. And it's been really powerful to see that. Why do you think it's such a challenge still now we're in 2023? Why do you think you're now in the centennial thick of it here? Let's, I mean, right? What is it about that, that we're still trying to move the needle? I have so many thoughts. It's okay. <laughs> so many We've thoughts. We've got time. People are listening. They so want to hear. Um, sadly, I think that one factor is that we hold ourselves back sometimes. And I think that's why it's so important to recognize that voice within yourself or that intuition, whatever you want to call it. Um, I can't tell you how many times in my own career where I've known the answer to something. I've known what I need to do to move forward, to move a project or an initiative forward. But I second guess my own decision making because of a comment made to me or um, a comment made to a teammate or something along those lines. And then I'm completely second guessing myself. And I think that continues to happen. So that's exactly what we're trying to address with these girls is, you know, listen to your intuition, listen to your voice and say what you need to say. We're not always right, but a lot of the times we are. Right. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, that's one area. I think also that, you know, with moving legislation forward, it gets really tricky because I think the public doesn't isn't fully aware that these things don't exist already right I agree so um you know you're going about your daily life you're you know you feel like you have total autonomy and control over what your choices are um until you don't you know and I think that that's what you know some women are facing now in different states again going back to the SCOTUS decision um, but I think that's a big challenge for us in moving legislation forward is um, people just aren't aware about what the policies are that don't exist. So you say this word awareness, and I think the community, you've done a great job so much in your role of making the community aware. But like you said, there's still like our, our, our this generation and the generation before us, you know, like you said, we've been we have these roadblocks that that have been along the way as women. I mean, I know I've had it. I'm in the entertainment industry. I've had numerous times situations come up like, you know, it's a very male dominated industry. Sure. Um, you know, and I've had, like you said, you, you have these things that are, you know, off the cuff comments even, and they don't even have to be directly to you. And one of the things that I saw that Alice says, she's a quote recalling her mother's advice that she says, when you put your hand to the plow, you can't put it down until you get to the end of the row. Mm. And what's amazing to me is that we're still plowing yeah. and we're still trying to make it through. And I think every day we're trying to make it to that end of the row. Mm -hmm. So how do you, or what is your personal, or maybe it's your daily you know, thought to yourself, right? Like your daily thought when you, when you walk into API and you're, and you're doing your role, what keeps you going every day to try and make it to the end of that row? My work wives. <laughs> oh yeah. But in all seriousness, it's just the women that I work with and it's not just my current team. You know, my current team is amazing. And I know that 
we support each other both professionally and personally, and that means so much. And I think that also says a lot because of the type of institution that we are. But even in past roles and in the arts, you know, I had those women that I was really standing shoulder to shoulder with, and we were in it. We were the ones doing it, and we were the ones feeling it. And they inspire me. They inspire me so much. Bringing back Dr. June, one of the things she said, you know, um, she's she's a lady of many stories, but one of her things was she has this sisterhood. Mm -hmm. She talks about it like her divas, her group of divas and her sisterhood. And you brought up the same thing. And actually last month on our our special with um, Julia Cheney Moss and Deb Bryce, they also talked about a sisterhood. And it's this kind of continuing vibe that us women, we, we need this kind of group of powerful divas, sisterhood, work wives, whatever that may be, to to keep us afloat, to keep us going. We we brainstorm with them. We call them, you know, when we're down, when it's a highlight in our life, when it's, you know, when it's when the ups and the downs. And I think basically that symbolizes almost Alice Paul's you know, struggle for the justice of keeping it going to the end of the row. Like, who did she use? What, what, who were her partners yeah. in her in her life? And I think you sharing that is really powerful because I think a lot of women still struggle to find that, or they have someone that they're not sure how to form those relationships. And I think it's really powerful. How did these, you know, inspiring divas, these, this sisterhood, <laughs> this sisterhood, this work wife group, how did this come about? Is yeah. it, is it an organic thing? Is it, what was that for you? I think it's, I think it's an organic thing. Um, but I think there's some intentionality behind it too. I think that, you know, in our society right now, the way that the system is kind of structured is to pin women against each other. And um, not all women want to have those types of relationships. Not all women want to be supportive of each other. Um, And that's challenging in itself. And I think that, especially when you're experiencing those things with others, that unites you because you're experiencing something that's challenging and trying to overcome that together. Um, you know, I think that we need to just be okay with empowering each other and recognizing that doesn't take anything away from me. Uh, my light doesn't diminish because your light is shining brighter right now. And if your light is shining brighter right now, I'm going to cheer you on and throw glitter at you and just, you know, take out the dance shoes, whatever, and celebrate that. And I think that that is so hard for women to do. And that is a trauma response to patriarchal structures that are currently in place to pin women against each other. And I think, you know, Alice and her vision and mission is you know, so similar in the track of, of, of finding that. What do you think Alice would be saying? Immediately when we were talking about Alice's pals, I thought of Lucy Burns. They were the best of pals, and they really achieved so much together. And then also Crystal Eastman, who helped her co-author the ERA. Um, Alice loved working collaboratively. 
I think one of Alice's best traits is that she saw each person's unique qualities and was able to kind of piece things together in a way to highlight everyone's strengths. And that's teamwork, right? That's effective leadership. That's the definition, (laughs) yeah. You know, so I think that she did that so well, um, particularly with how she moved the 19th Amendment forward. You know, you bring up this term leadership, and I know, um, I thought it was very interesting. I saw that you have the women's in leadership from Yale. I actually got the women's in leadership from Cornell. I thought it was a really um, inspirational um, piece that I added and an educational piece that I added to my professional life. What inspired you to kind of go after that certificate? What was it about getting, you know, you can get a leadership certificate, but you went and did women's in leadership. And I think that kind of really is speaks volumes. Sure. So I decided to go with that certificate program for a couple of different reasons. Okay, so this might not be the right thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I hate that there has to be a labeled women in leadership certificate. It's just, you are just being a leader, um, you know, and I I was actually intrigued because I was like, what makes this so different yeah. <laughs> than every other leadership certificate? And, um, you know, as I was going through the process, it really touched a lot on social, emotional learning and um, those types of skills, which to me, I'm like, this is so obvious. Of course, people in leadership need to understand how to interact with others and how to interpret their emotions. Are men getting this? Are the men's leadership courses getting this? Because they need to. So those were like (laughs) the first things that were like running through my head when I decided to do that program. Um, I actually ended up loving it. It was great. It was great to network. And I think one of the takeaways that I got from it is that there are so few spaces where women can come together and actually just talk about some of the challenges we face. And that was a real highlight, being able to do that and network and have that space where we could be open and share freely. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think some of those smaller group sessions and collaborations that I had, you know, just verifying that, yeah, I'm not the only one that has experienced this. I'm a woman in a profession. And then there's other women who are feeling the same way. Yeah. And it was like this really, you know, it was like an approval, like, okay, yeah, that is something to talk about. That is something to bring to the foreground. And, and that's really what API also stand for is that we're trying to bring this equality forward and still continuing to do that work. And I think that's, you know, round of applause to you and your team, you know, for doing that. Um, what are some things that you're hoping for, for API in the future? Where do you see it going? We have so many plans. So we've started to kind of joke because we have so many big ideas. We're like, okay, that's the five-year plan. That's the 10-year plan. Maybe that's the 25-year plan. Um, But I think for us, what we're really focusing on over the next um, 
few years is going to be um, emphasizing the space Paulsdale itself, which is right here in Mount Laurel. We have six and a half acres of property and we're thinking about how we're going to activate the outdoor space. So there are lots of discussions about um, bringing in different community partners who can utilize the space itself for having different types of concession and things of that nature to um, aid our programming. So there's lots of that in discussion. I think also we're really going to start focusing more on our advocacy efforts for the Equal Rights Amendment. I mean, frankly, it's just ridiculous that it hasn't been um, solidified yet. So anything that we can do to help bring that awareness to the public, we're working on doing. Um, I love that you said about the space in Mount Laurel. Those of our listeners that have never been there, can you walk us through what would they experience when they go to API? Sure. So API is, uh, or Paulsdale is the site itself, um, is one of the most serene spaces I've ever been to. So you come down this really long driveway um, and you drive up to the farmhouse where Alice Paul was born. And there's this beautiful foliage and acreage and, and it's just a lovely wraparound porch. So that's your first impression of the space. It's just, oh, this is really serene. And it's funny because we talk about Alice's relationship to the space a lot. And in her adult life, she didn't live there any longer. She actually did most of her work down in Washington, D.C. But she used to come back to Paulsdale as her place of rest and refuge to kind of take a breather and take a break, which is also really important for women to do um, as we're taking on the world. Um, so that's sort of the first impression that you get. When you walk inside the space itself, we do have an exhibit up currently that's that describes Alice's life and her accomplishments. And we do have a temporary exhibit up right now called Equality is a Verb, which connects the suffrage movement and the ERA movement. Um, so you get to see all of those things. What's interesting to me is every time I'm, I'm here, we have a, I have a little pod deck and I have a, of a, a stack of cards and it's kind of like the wild, wild west of <laughs> probing questions. <laughs> Um, and I try and I, I end with a few things. So this is going to be one of these things. So I'm going to pick a card. What would you do if you could not fail? What would I do if I could not fail? This is a, actually really um, perfect for our topic today, right? Yes. What would I do if I could not fail? I would probably... Mm. Oh, this is a hard question if I could not fail. We always put people on the spot here at RCBC. I'm going to say I would. Uh, this, is so, this is really hard. If I could not fail, I would bake my son's birthday cake if I could not fail at it. I love that one. <laughs> See, I don't bake, so I'm all about the box. Um, I can't bake for anything. I love to cook. Yes. Because you can you can add improvise. a little. I can improvise. Mm -hmm. I'm an improviser. Yeah. But it's too exact for me to bake. I am the same way. And I, I mm -hmm. need I need other elements to be added. Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You can't do that when you're baking. No, you can't. It's too specific. <gasps> One more. What would you like to change about the world? Well, I would like the world to be a little bit more fair. That would be great. I think that's beautiful. So... The discussion here, we were talking and I like to write down all these like 
very prominent positive words that we've said throughout our discussion. I'm just going to read them and I like to use them as kind of like the hashtag for hashtags for our podcast today. And then I want to ask what your personal hashtag would be. So let's listen to all these really powerful, beautiful words that you said. Okay. Hashtag strength, hashtag equality, hashtag support, work wives, control, autonomy, hold back, intuition, development, arts, mission, gender justice, suffragist, vote, inspire, archetypes, leader, fairly, injustice, empowering, teamwork, serene, rest and refuge, and take on the world. My hashtag would be slow down a little. I don't think a lot of women do know how to do that because we feel that energy that we have to take on Mm. so much and that there isn't that downtime and that rest and that refuge that you were talking about. So I really love that you said that. I want to thank Rachel Glashen Rubison for joining us today. Please visit our website for more information about our DEI initiatives and our committees at rcbc.edu slash diversity. If you want to hear from women who lead and inspire, this podcast is for you. You've been listening to the RCBC Baroness podcast, which highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. For more information about this podcast and other podcasts available on the RCBC podcast network, Visit rcbc.edu slash podcast and subscribe to the RCBC Baroness podcast wherever you tune in. For a female perspective into the Burlington County community, you've been listening to the Baroness podcast. Take care. Thanks. You've been listening to the RCBC Baroness podcast, which highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. For more information about this podcast or other podcasts available on the RCBC podcast network, visit rcbc.edu slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the RCBC Baroness podcast available on all streaming platforms.